You're listening to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Biff Lathrop. Hey, and welcome back to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of South Carolina Golf Association. I'm Alan Knight, joined by my main man, Biff Lathrop. Biff, how are you? I'm doing great. Good day to everybody. hope everybody's doing well there, enjoying some of the spring weather we've got. It is beautiful. We're at Columbia Country Club today during a... U.S. Open qualifier. Yep, this is the local section of the qualifiers, the first stage, I guess they call it now. Uh, so we got we got about uh, 88 guys out there trying to qualify for I don't know how many spots. Five spots. Five spots. Five, you know yeah. more than me. One gentleman's already gone home DQ'd. Late to the tee, folks. You can always get back time. You can't you can't give it away <laughs> though. So he's got to be there on time. If tee time's at eight o'clock, you better be there at eight o'clock. Get so, there early. Get there early. So. Alan, we've been on a run, Bo. April's almost over, uh, and it has been a heck of a month for us. We've been we've been going strong, the whole staff. Yep. We um, since we last got together, we hadn't seen you in a while, but well, we were down at the Heritage. We had our tent down there at the Heritage, and it was good to be back down there. The RBC Heritage, presented by Boeing, and and uh, a full scale tournament again for the first time since 2019, I guess. Yeah. Um, and what a crowd, boy! They had a good they had a good crowd. Sold out. You couldn't get a ticket. He sold out, and what a champion, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, that was a good. Right, that was good for them. He kind of snuck in there. You didn't know he's he around did. until all of a sudden he's holding a trophy. <laughs> you know, I was eager. We had I can't remember now. It was like ten or eleven South Carolinians playing in the event. Yeah, we had a good crowd. So, so I felt like our odds were pretty good. But yep. Jordan was a good victor. Jordan was a good victor. Good for RBC Heritage too. I mean, they, they, they that was a good name for them and that strong strongest field I think they've ever had. They had a, they had a lot of top players in the world there. So How was, was the tent? Tent was fantastic. We got to. Uh, entertain and and, spot, and, and and host a couple of our sponsors and supporters and you know we've been public tent for years past but we've we finally had to make the switch over to a private tent but uh based on a lot of what was going on down there at the heritage and and, and what they're trying to do on that row of tents there on 18t but um i, I saw on your social media and other people's social media who visited the tent yeah like a good time it was a good time we even had the governor the governor came yeah. by and sat there he was there for about 45 minutes that he enjoyed was, his time there that's how good of a viewing spot it it's is it's a good spot it is a good spot so we had a good time good good week it's good good to support golf in south carolina so it was good for for everybody involved and you know we got done with there we come right back and i mean things don't stop we had to trescott at musgrove mill that next tuesday on the on the 19th of april who won that Man, you know, that's a tough event. You know, that Trescott, it, it, the actual team championship is the three yeah. amateurs, oh, yeah. aggregate. So, if one aggregate. person has a bad day. Your team's done. Your team's done. Um, but Cobbs Glen did not have a bad day. Okay. They, uh, the team of Jake Miller, Josh Brannon, and Blake Williams, Williamson, okay. our board member, uh, shot an even par 210. To take the title, I'm telling you, three guys shooting even par at and, Musgrove. Yep, and I don't know if the 210 sounds funny to you, but we had to play a par 70. Why is that? Well, we got out there that morning. I looked down the hill between nine and 18, and the river done come up, uh-huh. and the ponds on 18 and nine were had converged. <laughs> you couldn't get through there. I looked at the I looked at Greg Krasinski, the pro there. I said, "Is that going to be a problem?" He says, "Probably so." <laughs> so we we number nine's a par five. We ended up playing as a 137 yard par par three that day. Okay, so they, they had a- to come up, go back down the hill, and play back up the hill. So. Wow. Make it work. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? You got to do it, yeah. Um, but, but we also, during that event, because we also have the pro come and play with those three amateurs, and we have a pro-am. Yep. And the pro-am is the two best balls of the four. And um, 
Did Cobb's Glen win that? No, they came in second. Okay. But uh, they had the team of Country Club of Lexington, Zach Harold, Sam Jackson, Dixon Walker, led by their pro, who I think beat them all, Greg Payne, shot 67. Greg's a good player. Greg's a great player. They they ended up 12 under par, 128 to Man. win the pro-am version. That's a good squad. Lexington's got a good they got squad. A good, they got a good bunch of good players over there at Lexington. They just keep getting better over there. So, it's uh, it was fun. It was good to be around Musgrove. You, you know, I love Musgrove. I think everybody loves Musgrove. Sometimes they don't like what Musgrove does at their golf game, but I think everybody <laughs> loves being out there so yeah. um it was it was good and then i mean literally literally we got the last scorecard done from there and kirk and kyle and i went down south to sea island and helped officiate at this sec championship there at sea island yeah i was proud of kirk first time you've gone for many i've years. been there for for six or seven years now but kirk and kyle this was their first experience so i i called y'all that morning yep. mistakenly thinking it was over and i talked to kirk and I asked him who he was paired with, and he had you know a Vanderbilt player and an Auburn or some or some other schools. And I I was proud of Kirk for not calling penalties on these other schools, knowing how much of a game. <laughs> He's a fan. Gamecock. They, you know, one, Coach Mack asked me when when, we, when are you going to walk with us? I said they might be worried I'm going to be a little biased. <laughs> you know, I, I've never walked with the Gamecocks before. I agree. That's probably a good thing. But, but you know what I did do? My first group of the week I walked with was a player who ended up winning the individual part of the tournament, nice. uh, John Dubois from Florida. Okay. Great kid, great player. All of them are good players. It's fun to watch, man. It's some it good golf down there at Sea Island. So, yeah. that was a great week. It was good for the SCG to be a part of that and, and be a part of that group. And, and a lot of other state associations were there as well. So, um, as we were coming back from Sea Island, Michael McKee was taking the Junior Golf Association up to Cherokee National for another player series event. Yeah, uh, they had eighty players up there at Cherokee and <clears throat> had a great two days. And I think uh, I saw that Ella Stalvey. She won. Yep, this? you got it. The girls thirteen and eighteen group. Ella Stalvey shot 70-73 for one forty three, a four shot victory. Every time I come to Columbia Country Club, she's out here. Well, it shows. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously what she's doing is working because I mean, she she played some great golf and then. In the boys' 13 to 18 division, Groves Williams okay. uh, had a t tough start. He shot 78 the first day, but came back with a 69 the second day for a four-shot victory of 147 total. Good job, Groves. So uh, that that series continues to be very popular and has been good for uh, for the juniors and filling that void. And we're excited about where that goes for the rest of the year. Yep, no, that seems like a big success. Yep, big success. Well, as Michael was coming back, yeah. Kirk and Kyle were going back <laughs> up north. Uh, we had the 40 plus at the reserve at Lake Kiwi. Yeah. On that Tuesday, so April the 26th, we did that. And, man, what a beautiful place. And thanks to Rick Veith, our chairman for our foundation. He's a member there, and he's the one that kind of got our foot in the door for they were a last-minute ad. And oh, yeah. uh, we were excited to get up there. Just a beautiful place. And, yeah, it is. Uh, Golf-wise, golf uh, in the tournament division, our, our boy from Holly Tree, Chris Easy, yeah. uh, took a scorecard victory over Jesse Kinnanen, uh after they both shot 69. Yeah. Um, and in the senior division, Yancey Johnson shot a, a two under par 70. In the super senior, we had another scorecard playoff with uh, Roger Page taking the victory over Charlie Hall at, at plus two at 74. Charlie Hall traveled a long way to play in that thing. Charlie Hall, and, and he had just – he played in Musgrove, too, the week before. So, wow. he's come from Hilton Head to Musgrove, back to Hilton Head, back up to the reserve at Kiwi. Good so, for Charlie. Yep, yeah, it was good to have them all there. And, you know, we – you and I talked about this last time. We used to do a chip-off playoff yeah. on these things. Well, because we got so many divisions now and some of them are tee-time oriented instead yeah. of all shotgun, we we finally made the decision just to go with the scorecard playoff and, and do it the USGA's yeah. recommended way. So, that's how we ended up with that playoff system. So, gotcha. again, a bit busy couple weeks. Uh, but staff, our staff did a wonderful job getting through it. And now we roll into May. And as you mentioned, we're here today at Columbia Country Club for the first of our two U.S. Open qualifiers. This one here – Today and then 
Uh, we do another one on May the 9th at Debadu. Okay. Um, and, and so everybody doesn't forget, don't forget May the 8th is Mother's Day. I want to wish Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and for all the, the dads out there, husbands out there, don't forget May the 8th is Mother's Day. So <laughs> That's put right. it on your calendar. Um, but as we're doing the May the 9th U.S. Open Qualifier at Debadu, uh, we also start, that's the first round of our senior championship. We're going to be at Orangeburg Country Club. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. got 120 guys for, for the senior championship. We'll be there. It's a three-day event, two-day cuts. We'll be there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And um, looking forward to getting our first big major of the year, if, as individual major of the year done. No, that's always a good one. I heard a rumor uh -huh. at one point in time we might actually be able to hit off the driving range at Orangeburg, off the, off the grass. I have – I have been in discussions with the gentleman who's in charge of that, and that might be the truth. Well, I found out yesterday that is not going to be the case. Alex told me yesterday that is not going to happen. Yeah. But he said he can't let y'all do it before he lets his members do that, it. I think that's what happened. Yeah. So, I talked to Alex Tolbert, the superintendent of Orangeburg, as we know, and uh, he was very nice about it. But he said, yep, well, we will be on the mats that week. So, that's where we'll be hitting range balls. But the next time you go back, more than likely. Maybe so. Yeah. We'll see. It's a pretty piece of grass. It's the prettiest piece of grass I've never been able to hit a I'm ball telling off you. of. I'm telling you, it is pretty. Well, yeah, so we, we're, we're excited. Got a lot of things going. Uh, got, got the foundation, uh, uh, you know, money-making, money-raising month behind us in April. And now you get to spend it. Now it's full go. Yeah, that's right. It's full go tournament-wise. So we're looking forward to a good couple of weeks ahead of us. And we got today for you a treat, Bobby Foster. Bobby Foster, a legend here, especially in Columbia, South Carolina, but statewide. He's been a, he's been a big yeah. part of the golf industry and been doing it for – Gosh, ever since early sixties? I, I don't know the yeah, have easily. It's easily, right? So uh it, it was good to have him in and talk to him and uh We couldn't extract everything. We didn't have time to extract no. everything. No. But he's a he's a good talk and got a lot of history and a lot of lot of stories and a lot of knowledge. Together, the South Carolina Golf Association, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, and the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation strive to promote, preserve, and grow the game of golf in South Carolina. Through a combined effort, each association and the foundation work to support amateur golf, junior golf, and grow the game's initiatives throughout the state of South Carolina. Be sure to follow all three organizations on our social media handles for the latest and greatest updates and news. The MySCGA app is also a great way for all members to post scores, follow live scoring at SCGA Major Championships, and stay updated on all things SCGA. To follow live scoring of the SCJGA events, download the SCJGA app. Living legend Bobby Foster. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Alan. I'm good, Biff. Thank you for having me. I mean, this is a legend in the midst of uh, a Hall of Fame room with, you know. Yeah. I mean, this it, is it's good to have Bobby Foster here with There's us. There's his picture right up there above our shoulder. Right. I mean, well, this is a legend. I see my picture over there with the Hall of Fame people. I, I, I've been lobbying for about 20 years here to have a wall for – people that were running up in state amateur i have a wall of those people <laughs> did you see. he asked see, me about I that walking in pictures of them down in walls did you happen to run runner up one year i was runner up one year that's when i figured out that um you know i'm uh, jack lewis is six days older than me and we played a lot of golf together um two and two in match play but um i didn't come out very uh, my, my record against jack and metal play was pretty rough but the year that I was running up in the state amateur, I worked so hard. To, and uh, Where were we playing? Where was that? We were playing at Persimmon Hill. Oh, yeah. And Hayward um, Sullivan chipped all the way from 
30 yard, 20 yards right of the green on the last hole, chipped it in, ran running across the green like he was running to a fire. Or By Hale Irwin running around that green when he and, won that yeah. one? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sitting out there with my caddy. I said, well, what, what, what's all about? He said, I think he went just from having to make birdie to tie to make it having to make eagle to tie. Oh, you got wow. a hole list. And, uh, but uh, the year that I was uh, runner-up in the state amateur, Jack was running up in the U.S. Amateur. Oh. And I said, you know, he's just in a different league for me. So, uh, Well, let's rewind this thing a little bit, Bobby. Where, 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 where did you grow up? How did you get involved with golf? And where, does, where, did all, where did all this start? Well, my, my dad played golf, and so we used to go out to a driving range on, uh, on Sumter Highway years ago and hit balls. And then um, we played a – we played out at Cedarwood, which is a par three course that was on the other side of Sumter Highway. It's one of the most fun golf courses I ever played. And next thing you know, we joined Forest Lake, and I got in one of Melvin's uh, Melvin Hemphill's junior clinics. And um, next thing I knew, I was helping Melvin teach junior clinics. Oh, really? So that's how I got started. Yeah, it came pretty easy for me. Was that Forest Lake? That was Forest Lake yeah. back in the old days. Yes. Time frame around there, Bobby. You were, were you, now. Were you? You said you were helping him. Were you a junior then? Helping him. I was him? a junior, and after about, I came. You know, he didn't have an assistant, and after about four or five of those Saturday morning sessions, he said, "Well, from now on, Bobby's going to be helping me." Oh wow! And so I was teaching those other kids. Some of them were older than me, but uh, <laughs> that, you know. And I look back on it, and I always enjoyed teaching just as much as I I did playing, sometimes more. And I think that came, that started then. I really, I felt affirmed, if you will, when a kid responded. Here I was, somebody my own age, and I could all of a sudden make them hit it better, him or her hit it better. It was just a great feeling. And I, um, and you still tinker with people on the driving range to this day. To this day. And so I gave a lesson to a guy, a Zoom lesson to a guy <laughs> the other day in Silicon Valley. He took my mental golf profile online and liked it, got in touch with me. He was in his office in Silicon Valley as a doctor. And um, so we started talking. Next thing you know, he had a simulator in the office. <laughs> so I, I was giving a lesson over Zoom about, about keeping his chest muscles loose and this, that, and the other because he had a type, uh, a type A personality. And he'd run over, hit a few balls, and come back, man, that feels great. <laughs> well, he bought a house. He and his wife bought a house not too long ago on the cliffs. They flew all the way across California. They're, they're going to retire at the cliffs. And he sent me an email Sunday. He said, guess what? 6,700-yard course, five birdies, no bogeys, five under par, best run I ever had. And these are the three things I concentrated on. The exact same three, three things we did oh, on wow, that Zoom wow. lesson. I mean, feel good. Can I sure. get a, Can I get a Zoom lesson? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this guy had talent. Though. <laughs> I, that's one thing I love about Bobby, the, the one-liners he yeah. has. And I would forget him, man. He's got them. <laughs> they come natural. They so, do. But he said it was the best round he ever had, so it, it was great. So, Forest Lake, did you play high school golf? I played at uh, AC Floor. Yeah. And um, – and I'm chairman of my high school reunion class of 65, and we're we're getting ready to have our 55th two years late because of COVID. And so we're making a, giving every living classmate an opportunity to um, make a contribution to one of our deceased classmates in memory and be a sponsor of the memory room nice. at the um, at the uh, reunion. Yeah. 
So I got looking over that list. I said, well, I'm going to make a couple here. And I saw this fellow named Doug Willis, who has passed away a pretty good while ago. He grew up playing out at uh, Columbia Country Club with uh, with Dupree and those guys. Well, he was a little older than them and, and certainly one as good a player. But I looked at that and I said, well, here's a chance for me to make a gift in memory of probably the only person in the history of AC Floor Golf to shorter than me. <laughs> shorter than you. Yeah, uh, we didn't call him Rump for nothing. Uh, so, right. <laughs> so, All right. This, this, you played at Carolina? I played – I played uh, – actually, what happened, I, um, I was offered a golf scholarship at Memphis State okay. out of high school. Russell Glover was out there. And um, and as they had a, a as a coach. No, he was he was a couple years older than me. Okay, he was play. out there playing on a golf team, and he kept telling me how much fun they had, and and they had one of the top five programs in the country. And so I decided I went out there with a recruiting visit, liked it, and so I started I started out there. Problem is, I had a severe case of mono. I came home for Thanksgiving to put me in the hospital, and I didn't go back. Uh, I played just a little, a few, a little bit at Carolina. One season at Carolina, play and um, actually where I met Hap. We played at the South Carolina Junior at the old Hampton Country Club. The intercollegiate, was, yeah, the intercollegiate. I finished second in the intercollegiate behind Allen Powers. He was on the team and um, pudding for all those pudding. who don't know who Allen Powers is. Yeah, but the um, it, it was during the Vietnam War, and I was since I was behind my high school class, graduating class because of this severe case of mono, I was getting some letters from Draftport. I ended up uh, joining the Air Force and had four great years over at Shaw and played a lot of golf and had an opportunity to serve my country. And played a lot of golf. Thank you for your service, by yeah, the way. it was fun. It was good. So you played a lot of golf at Shaw Air Force Base. I did. We had a, we had a really good team over there, and we'd go play in the uh, – Air Force tournament, uh, national tournament, and so forth and so on. And um, where'd you play out of there when you were at at the club at the Shaw Air Force Base? Golf oh, course. okay. Yeah, that yeah. was one of my jobs. Oh. I was helping run the golf course. I didn't have. I, I wasn't exactly. Uh, had, I didn't have any stressful jobs in Air Force. <laughs> First, I got uh, when I got there, I met this colonel who ran the uh, recreation services. He had he had wrecked two planes, so they took him out of. <laughs> Took him off the flight line, put him running the recreation services. <laughs> and I met him, and he said, well, you come over here tomorrow. I, I, I went to his office and told him I was, had a lot of background in golf. I could really help him and um, help the golf program. And I knew the golf pro. There was a great guy named Jim Stoffel. And so he said, well, will you come play with me the next tomorrow afternoon after work? I shot 32 for – I mean, I played some inspired golf. I said, this is my way to, to the – to the easy land here, and I shot 32. He thought he'd never seen anybody break 40 before. He thought I was the next Jack Nicholas. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up at the golf course. I actually ended up at his house that night eating a steak and uh, uh, drinking a beer with him. And, and uh, next thing you know, I was assigned to the golf course. And Did that all four years? Off and on. I was yeah. either there in the gymnasium running the gym. Gotcha. So, Well, how did you – did you end up a golf pro or Spring Valley as a manager? Or? Actually, what happened when I got out of the Air Force, my, well, I was getting ready to get out. My wife said, what are we going to do when we get out? I said, I'm going to build a, a driving range somewhere over in Columbia so I can teach. And she said, we're what? We had about $250. <laughs> uh, and we got in one car one Saturday and came over here and started riding around and looking at, of course, you know, Columbia had all kind of open land back then. And 
we'd see a piece of land that looked good and write down the real estate agent that was on the sign. And, and sure enough, we stopped for lunch over in um, Knox Abbott Drive. A friend of mine had a restaurant, he and, uh, and he and Alex Hawkins, an ex-football player, they had a restaurant. They called it the Alex Hawkins Restaurant. We stopped in there to see them. <clears throat> and next thing you know, we started talking about what I was going to do, and this fellow named Ted McGee, the real estate family over in Lexington, was getting ready to develop this place called Three Fountains out by the airport on Platte Springs Road. They said they'd love to have a driving range. So I got out of the Air Force in July the 24th. We opened this driving range, beautiful driving range, on the corner of Platte Springs Road and Emanuel Church Road on July the, by July the 10th. My wife still to this day can't believe that that happened. Let's wow. talk about your wife. She is a sweetheart. She is. She's a sweetheart. Carolyn. Carolyn. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, she's, she's certainly supported uh, my golf in particular um everything we david bennett and i did together with with the columbia city tournament bobby howard and called me and said they were going to have a meeting and the pros were ready for it to 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 go and uh they thought amateurs ought to take over and david and i are agreed to do it for a year i think we've been doing it 36 years now That's with right. you yeah thanks to you with your help and, but she's been very supportive of that, and she's been super supportive of when we started Fairway Outreach Program, and which is, I think we'll be sending kids to FCA camp this year for the 35th straight year. And I'm I'm for I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm patting her on the back, but yeah. for 25 years, every Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and Saturday morning, I was out at at the golf course with those kids and. Um, you know, we put we put a good, we put some money into it to get it started along with SCGA and USGA and she was always been super supportive of that. Well, good. She is a great woman. I she enjoy is. seeing her at the city tournament. And we're going to get a fairway outreach, but you, we haven't gotten to Spring Valley and USC yet. How do we get there? Well, I was um, running that driving range, teaching. I mean, I was teaching all day long at that driving range, and a friend of mine named Bob Spence was building a golf course up in Greenville called Pebble Creek. Yep. And Bob called me and he said, why don't you come up here, I want to talk to you. So I go up there and and I actually met him at Hilton Head working one summer down there off and on between going to play in tournaments and that's uh, where I met Carolyn. And uh, so I went up there and Bob said, I, I need some help building this golf course. And I thought that'd be a great way to get some construction experience and it was. So I had a friend of mine take over the driving range, and I go up there, and uh, you pushing dirt around, pushing dirt around, uh, planting uh, greens. We, we had one of the few courses, and at that time they had bent greens, and so I learned a ton. I really did. But then I heard about Wildwood, so I came down to Columbia, rode out to where they were building Wildwood, and I looked around and I said, "This is going to be pretty nice." I didn't even know this was going on. <laughs> And I went to see, uh, I knew Heath Manning from the old days at Forest Lake, and I, Heath was a developer. I walked into his office one day and started talking. Next thing you know, I was a head pro at Wildwood. Okay, Wildwood, not Spring Valley. Yeah. Okay. And that went on for several years, and we were on fire out there. I mean, we were on fire. And um, I was basically the golf pro, the club manager, uh, the teacher, <laughs> 
And then Jim Carlin offered me, asked me to come out, came out there one day and we played golf and asked me if I would take over the USC golf team. It, it, it had been a series of PE teachers had, had actually been running the team for a couple of years. And so next thing I know, I'm the part-time golf coach at Carolina, club manager at Wildwood, the golf pro and the teaching pro. And a driving range still. Did you still have the no, driving I'd, range? I had sold the driving range okay. part. And, I was curious. And I, we knew it wasn't going to last forever at driving range because that property was too vague and it was going to be come, become part commercial property, which it is. Well, having been through a driving range experience with my father, I, I, at the, a lot later, but I know I know how many $5 buckets of balls you got to sell to make a driving range work, so it, it was a lot. <laughs> it's not only you, how many buckets you, $5 buckets you got to sell, it's how many $5 buckets you got to go out and pick up. That's after. right. That's right. So what does a, how does a part-time coach recruit Greg McBride or, or any of your players? Well, uh, I mean, if you're working full-time at Wildwood, it's not like you can go hit the road and follow these kids for a day or two at a tournament here and there. No, no you, you can't. I had a lot of contacts, fortunately, from my amateur golf days. I had a lot of contacts, including uh, some some people I knew up in the Tidewater area of Virginia. So, actually, the first player I ever recruited was uh, Steve Liebler. Really? Yeah, he ended up being two-time All-American. You know, he played uh, several years on the tour, had top five, five top ten finishes on the tour. How many times has he won the city tournament? You know, off the top of your head? <laughs> Eleven. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't count. I quit counting. Wow. And, you know, after he got his amateur status back. And and then um, and Steve had some contacts. So next thing you know, kind of really didn't inherit a whole lot. The second year I was a coach, we finished 16th in the NCAA out of Eugene, Oregon. And uh, so it was – we had some pretty quick success. And the next thing I know – well, by that time I had moved from – Wildwood to Spring Valley. Okay, so you were at Spring Valley. I was at Spring Valley for a couple of years. Okay. And Jim Carlin called me and he said, I want you to come up here full time. We're going to start a women's program. And you're going to be that coach too. So I go from being a club pro and a part-time men's golf coach, and I was also the club manager over at Spring Valley. Uh, I always seem to have more than one job. And well, so I go from doing all that to being the men's and women's golf coach at the University of South Carolina, and literally one time, just to tell you what that was like, I traded teams in the Memphis airport. So I had a graduate <laughs> assistant. Oh, wow. And the graduate assistant flew up to Memphis airport with the, with the ladies, and I had the guys coming back from somewhere out west, and he took the ladies home, and I, I, went, I mean, he took the guys home, and I went off with the ladies. And, Man. Uh, so that was quite an experience. Kept you on the road, yeah. Yeah, I did that for a couple of years. And um, and the very first year we had a ladies program, starting from scratch, um, we finished 17th in the country. That was – to this day, I don't know how we did it. Where did y'all play out of back then? Um, Everywhere? Spring Valley, okay. for the most part. I mean, they still uh, let us play out there, and I had good relationships out there. And, and um, I guess we played – if, if um, well, Liebler one time, I caught him bearing the club in the green, so he had played at Sedgwood for six months. And, <laughs> I mean, I had to take him on the road now. I needed him, but if he didn't get to play. He got punished, but he laughed. He'll tell you about that to this day. No, I can't great. wait to ask him about that. And, uh, uh, but that was, a, that was a fun time. And then next thing you know, a uh, new AD came in, and after a while, he asked me to be an associate athletic director and be in charge of all the sports other than football and basketball. And 
I did some some work with football, and it was, but not not men's basketball was the only sport I really didn't have much to do with. And I, he offered me that job, and I thought about it, and I told him, I said, you know, I came over here as a part-time golf coach because I really liked coaching and this, that, and the other. And the more I do it, the more I liked it. And um, this went on for about two weeks, and he kept asking me, well, when are you going to decide? And I said, well, I can't really decide. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You take you keep one of those golf teams and you hire a coach for the other one. So I hired a, a lady named Donna Noonan to be our women's golf coach, and she did a fantastic job. And uh, um, and off we went. What's our time frame in here, Bobby? When were we the early early eighties? I think it was. Yes, yeah, early eighties. Yeah. All right. So when did you become businessman, Bob? Well, Bobby, you know. I, um, I, it seemed like I was doing pretty well f- career-wise. I was getting promoted here and there and this, that, and the other and experiencing a good bit of success. But I was trying to find a better Bobby inside. That yeah. I knew there had to be one. And so I started uh, listening to motivation tapes and reading books and um, – drawing up papers and this, that, and the other, and I got really, really interested in that kind of work. And um, and so I decided to write a seminar just to see if I could do it. And <laughs> you talk about that. something happenstance. Uh, I um, started liking what I was doing, and I found a lady that had three degrees from Stanford, two of them were journalism, and she had just started a... a uh, typesetting, editing type business. I found her by almost by luck. And she took what I was doing and really made it into something nice. And I'm still at university, but I'm thinking more and more that's what I wanted to do. And we were going to build a golf course at the university. We had gotten approval. We'd been asked to by the administration and the trustees. And so I had put in charge of that. And I had developed a relationship with the necklaces. Uh, Jack and Barbara? Yeah, because their son played at Chapel Hill. Yeah. And I always treated him like everybody else uh, on those teams and needled him all the time, not about being Jack's son, but just about. <clears throat> but that's what you do. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> right. And we got to be friends, and I wrote the Nicholases a letter and told them that Jack, I always called him Jack, had done such a great job in some fairly difficult situations. I, I, I told him I met one time. We were playing at Chris Schenkel down in um, in Statesboro, Georgia, and I had early tea time. I mean, we had an early tea time. Our team did, and we played and finished. I took the guys back to the hotel, and I went back out to the golf course. I wanted to watch Jody Mudd play. That's when he was at uh, uh, Georgia Southern Host School, probably the best college player I've ever seen. And um, I went out and watched Jody play. Jody shot 62. And there were about five people watching him play. Jack Jr. was over there shooting 60, 76, and there were 500 people oh, watching wow. him play. And it was, it was embarrassing. I mean, it, was, it, it really was to him, to Jack. But he handled it so gracefully. And I wrote his parents a letter, never thinking I'd meet them. But uh, next thing I know, I get a call, and they just were gushing about this letter I'd written. And Jack said, if you ever want to build a golf course, I'd be happy to donate a design to college, be a gift to college golf. So we ran with that idea. And he came in, actually, he, uh, 
he sent a, a designer, one of his designers there, and a guy named Gene Bates. Gene and I went and walked that property. It was, it was the Bell Camp property across from Wildwood where they now have the enclave, but the university owned this lake property, beautiful lake right there called uh, Bell, the Bell property, Bell Lake property, Lake Bell, whatever it was. And so I'm walking this property with Gene, and we're mapping out some origi- some preliminary uh, routings and so forth, and we come back to my office, and I had to go to a meeting downstairs, and I told Gene, I said, uh, you know, use my office, use my phone, whatever. Uh, I'll be back in a little while. But I had that seminar laying on my desk. Gene picked it up and started going through it. And when I got back, he said, this is great stuff here. <laughs> he said, would you come down and do a seminar for our company? Because, you know, Jack's a great player, but we got a, lot, we got a long way to go with getting organized and having goals and this, that, and the other. He said, would you come down and do a workshop for us? And I said, well, Gene, I've never done a workshop. And he said, well, we've never been to one, so we'd be, we'd, <laughs> we'd be equal. So I fly down there. Very first workshop I ever did was at the Palm Beach Yacht Club. Now, I've done some at some Motel 6 and since, but I got off to a great start at the <laughs> Palm Beach Yacht Club. And we rented this beautiful room, and I tell you, it was like I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, and it went great. And there wasn't a profile back then? No, there wasn't any. Uh, I didn't have a personality profile yet. And, um, but I got great encouragement from all of them. I got back on the airplane, flying back from Palm Beach back home, and this lady was sitting next to me. Now, you talk about happenstance. So the lady was sitting there, she was about 65. She was, a, she was a sparky lady, and she ordered, we sat down, and she ordered a cocktail, and we got going, flight took off, we got going, and she's, I was looking at my seminar. She said, what is that? I said, what's the seminar I've written? She said, let me see it. So I handed it over to her, and she starts thumbing through it, and said, hmm, wow. You know, and she ordered another cocktail. And, uh, and so she got to the end of it, and she looked at me, and she said, is this what you do for a living? I said, no, ma'am, I didn't. She said, well, it should be. Huh. She handed me her business card. She said, and it was sister, I forget her name. She said, I'm a nun. Well, she was just wearing traditional clothes. Her, her order wore traditional clothes, not nun, you know, and I would have never known she was a nun. And she said, I run some hospitals up in Cincinnati. I'm retiring in six months. But if you can get in business before then, I want you to call me because we'd love to have you up here and do some of this with our, our group. I took that as a sign from God that I, I needed to be from moved. drinking none. Yeah, I needed to be moving on to end it, and that's what I did. Is that what middle golf workshop? Is that what we call? No, actually, uh, I started doing these workshops, and I heard about a personality profile one night. I was listening to a Christian radio station, and James Dobson had his radio show, and he was having a not a podcast; it wasn't such a thing back then. But he was having a conference call on the radio with a fellow named Larry Burkett who had a company in Christian Financial Concepts down in Atlanta. And um, they were talking, and I was listening, and they started talking about this personality profile that they both used with their company, unbeknownst to each other. To each other they were both using a disk personality profile for team building and communication and people getting to know each other better. And, strengths and weaknesses and so forth. Well, that sounded like something that ought to make part of my seminar. I called James Dobson, got a number, and next thing you know, I got a, a kit 
from the company that they both used. I took it home, told my family we were gonna do a personality profile together. <laughs> and my oldest daughter, Elizabeth, was about 15 at the time, and she said, well, I can tell you right now, Dad, you and Barbara, her younger sister, y'all are just alike, Mom and I are just alike, and we're the opposite of y'all. <laughs> and we took that profile, and I scored it. We scored it. You had to do self-scoring back then. It wasn't the Internet and all that. And I, to this day, I've been carrying this graph around with four different bar graphs on it. And Elizabeth was 100% accurate. I carried that thing all over this country <laughs> doing profile workshops and other kind of workshops and showing it to people. And um, so that got me started using these profiles. And I want to say about uh, 2006, I was coming back from doing some work in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was a Sunday morning early, and I got a sketch pad out. I used to carry my briefcase. And I got the idea that I could do a disc profile in golf terminology and see, if, and and I mapped out how to do it, and and I did it, and um, with the goal of helping the golfer understand, correct? Helping the golfer understand himself, just like I do with my corporate clients now, with the with the other profiles, and and I had Jonathan Bird do one in paper and pencil version that we would self score. First person who ever did it was Jonathan Bird. Jonathan did the profile. We manually put it together I gave it to him he read it and he said you need to turn this into a business so the days I get frustrated with, with, with it I, I blame Jonathan the days <laughs> I feel good I, I thank Jonathan and uh, ironically uh, I'm a kidney donor as, as is my wife to my sister and Jonathan's mother needed a kidney um, and she found a, a donor in the neighborhood out at Wildwood found her really and um, he had been tested unbeknownst to her and so her kidney uh, uh, transplant happened in Augusta same hospital where I gave my kidney and my wife gave her kidney to both times to my sister 14 years apart and I sat there with Jonathan and Jordan all day waiting on the mom's surgery to be done and Jonathan said, he said, Bobby, you know that profile you put together for me all those years ago? <laughs> he said, I said, yeah. He said, I pull that thing out and look at it. He said, the only problem is I still do the same things. I think too much and I get too tense. <laughs> Just exactly what it said. And um, so, and we've, uh, we, we've had that profile. Uh, we've had about 40,000 of them go out. And now I'm building one in soccer. Soccer. Yeah, I've had several golf pros and golf people ask me to do one in soccer. Interesting. So I've never kicked a soccer ball, but uh, <laughs> and I'm telling you, at 74, almost 75 years old, it has been a, a um, it's been mental gymnastics right. you know, to to get it done. But we're getting close. Well, where can somebody who wants to take this profile, this mental golf profile, where can they go? It's just mentalgolfworkshop.com. Gotcha. And, and the call, what's the cost on it? Sixty-five dollars. Even I thought it was eighty. Even better. <laughs> even better. Yeah, d discount. Put in uh, a, SCG off yeah. the halls of discount. Yeah, ten percent off. Right. So we we have uh, we have teachers that that people buy in retail, but we have teachers really uh, all over using it. We we just put together a nice PowerPoint for Pinehurst uh, Academy that uh, they use it along with the profile, and 
I mean, we've had a lot of people use it, and it's not. I get lazy and don't market it, and we go through a lull, and then I get excited again, do a revision, <laughs> and get excited again, and uh, uh, should have made. You know, it's, it's it's like I tell people, it bought a, it bought a old raggedy beach house at Edisto and it should have bought about half the beaches at Edisto if I'd have paid attention to marketing it the right way. All right. Well, tell, tell us about uh, uh, Fairway Outreach Program and, and kind of where, how you got started and got that thing going. Well, we, we um, what happened was that uh, Bobby Howard and I called a meeting. I spoke at Bobby's funeral uh, a couple of weeks ago, a month or so ago. He was a wonderful guy. And Bobby had won the tournament in 1958. And when he was a golf pro, when the integration came along, some of the other clubs backed out. Bobby stepped forward, and he hosted it uh, out at uh, Sedgewood, as did Al Wall, who was a Bobby Howard protege, out at Lenrick, and went back and forth. And they decided that, it, that somebody they needed some new leadership, and we were, or they were going to just let the tournament die. And, we, we had a meeting, about 20 people there, and David Bennett and I were sitting there. And Are you talking about when you say the tournament? Are you talking about the city tournament? City golf tournament. Okay, yeah. And so um, I said, well, I'll take it for a year. David said, well, I'll help you. We're in, we didn't know what we were getting into. And uh, we got uh, we got uh, the Woodlands, I think it was Valhalla at the time, to, to volunteer to have the tournament the first year. And David did a yeoman's task of raising some money and we we had a really nice tournament it went well and we when we finished we actually had a little money left over and so we decided uh david and i decided we would do something for at the time i don't, I don't like this term uh under underprivileged kids so we started this program and it started with eight kids from carolina's children's home i was on the board out there and i would take them out to the driving range on uh, Riverside. John John had that rest. Uh, drawing blank on John's last. John Summer. John, uh, yes. And so, I would take those kids out there on Sunday afternoon, and I heard about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes had a golf camp at Pine Needles. So I <clears throat> I called up there, and we got to talking, and they never had any kids other than mostly country club kids come to this thing. But they said that'd be great. And I said, well, I ate them. And they said, well, we'll give you a real good discount. And so we paid the, the, the difference. And so I started I started working with those kids a little more in earnest uh, and got them where they could at least hit the ball. And they were great kids, all of them out at Carolina Children's Home. So we finished the, the city tournament on a Saturday, and this camp started on Sunday. I piled those kids, eight kids in the van out of Carolina Children's Home. We head up US-1, headed to Pinehurst. And I noticed on US-1, first time I'd ever seen uh, one of these freestanding golf stores. And so we went past that. We turned off, headed into toward Pine Needles. And we pulled into the parking lot. I had these eight kids from the children's home, and they all had used clubs and used bags and didn't have anything very fancy. I saw all these country club kids getting out of the car. Well, we were out of these cars in the parking lot, and we had plenty of time. We were early. I told those kids to get back in the car. I drove back to that golf store, and I walked in there, and I had about $500. I laid it on the counter. I told that guy, I said, do the best you can. Oh, <laughs> we, wow. And, uh, and that guy sold us everything it, it cost. 
And um, we had those kids. Uh, they didn't have brand new clubs or anything, but they at least had some some nice looking golf shorts and all that. We go back to the club. And it's true. I get out. We get the van, park the van. We getting unloaded. I hear this guy coming up from behind me. From behind, I hear this guy said, "Can't walk and chew chewing gum at the same time." I didn't even have to look around. I knew it was Pete Dye. I'd I'd played <laughs> Pete Dye in the North South Amateur one year, beat him, and I hit a hit a bad shot. I said, "Don't, don't, can't walk chew chewing gum at the same time." So anytime, <laughs> anytime I ever saw Pete, that's what he said. That's, that's what he great. And so he came over. I introduced him as this famous architect of these kids. They didn't know Pete Dye from Pete the Plumber, but uh, <laughs> but he was so gracious. And the very next person that came over was Betsy King, the reigning U.S. Open women's champion. And they didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it just kept coming. The next guy that came over was Larry Nelson, the reigning U.S. men's Open champion. And, and Larry Nelson and uh, Betsy King were there to do the opening clinic for this wonderful uh, golf camp at Pine Needles, FCA. And I actually left them there after this opening clinic. And I got a call two days later and they said, this is, we should have done this a long time ago. These kids give this whole camp a a new sense of meaning. And uh, so this year we'll be sending, uh, we don't have active program anymore. Greg McBride, we built a clubhouse out there at Greg at uh, Northwoods. And we had that for 10 or 12 years. It was, I mean, it was incredible. I don't have to pitch myself as to how well this thing was going. Jeff Cannell helped you build a green, I believe. Jeff Cannell built a wonderful green for us out there. And uh, it was Greg, let that be our private area. We had half to drive around. It was, it was almost surreal. Yeah, it was perfect setup. When, when Greg called me one day and he said, why don't you come out and build a clubhouse for these kids? I got in my car. I was at my office. I got in the car and ran out there and shook hands with him before he could change his mind. And, <laughs> And uh, so then we got word. Greg thought that things were not going to work out at Northwoods after all those years. You remember that? And yeah. next thing you know, Joe Rice built it. But we let we we let the program, the active program, and go. But we had still have some money. So now we send. This will be about our fifth or sixth year sending six kids from the first T program up to the same camp. That's great. Yeah, about fifteen thousand dollars a year. So it's. Still happening. That's awesome. I mean, what, what an impact right there in itself. I mean, it's, it's you know, beyond beyond all the other things you've done coming up through the Midlands. But, I mean, that, that, that I've seen that in play because that was kind of in, in the prime when I was coming through. I just kind of started and was coming to the Junior Golf Association working there, and we had the Junior Golf Land over at John Summers' place, we and we were trying to kind of work together on a lot of that stuff. We did. That's right. That's right. I forgot about yep. that. And uh, – and if I can just tell you one quick story about one of our favorite outreach kids. His name is Danny Priester. And Danny uh, grew up there and uh, over there off of Harden Street. And we had a, we had a, a, a director at the time named uh, Jeff B. Crabb. And Jeff used to go around with a van on, during the summer and pick these kids up and take them out to the golf course. And he'd have lunch for them. I mean, he'd spend the whole day out there. And... He was picking these kids up, and this one kid came running out of the house and wanted to know if he could go. And Jeff said, well, you have to get your mama to come out here and sign the permission for him. She came out, and um, so, so Danny Priester became a fairway outreach kid. And Danny got, got pretty good pretty quick. And uh, 
went to this FCA camp at least two or three times, became a Christian, and one of the finest people I ever met in my life. We're still real close. And Barbara Nicholas, again, here come the Nicholases again in my life, the, uh, used to have a pro-am at Loxahatchee Club down in Palm Beach where she'd raise a ton of money to, to sponsor this FCA golf ministry. And she called, uh, and at this time, back then, FCA had five or six camps all over the country. Now they just have this one in uh, Pine Needles. And Barbara said, I need a kid from one of the camps to come and speak at the, to these high rollers that I have in here uh, for this program. And they said, well, that's easy. That's Danny Priester. Oh, wow. And Danny's picture had actually been on the cover of the USGA Journal magazine because they used him as their example of one of their good-for-the-game good grants yeah. that Happy arranged for us to get. So Danny, Jeff takes Danny down to this program. And the way Barbara had it, she had a breakfast. I mean, she had CEOs and other tour players had volunteered to play, and Jack was playing. And so as Barbara told me the story, she said, uh, we had breakfast, and we had, I had four speakers lined up. She said, I was going to be the cleanup speaker, and I don't do a lot of speaking, so I was a little nervous. All these high rollers out there, and all these tour players. And said, Tim Fincham was going to be the, original, the first speaker. Jack was going to be the second speaker. And then the fairway outreach kid was going to be the third speaker. And then I figured I'd be fine following him, whoever that would be. So Barbara says, you know, Tim got up there, and he's dry as a bone. <laughs> so he wasn't that entertaining. Jack wasn't much better than Tim. And she said, but Danny Priester gets up there. He's got these high rollers out there laughing one minute and crying the next. He said <laughs> it was incredible. She said, I was so intimidated to come up after him. And the interesting thing is, she said, was, she said, well, after, normally after this breakfast is done and they go out and start warming up, all these high rollers want to go over and come up and talk to Jack or some of these other touring pros and she said, none of them. They stood in line to talk to Danny Priest. That's great. She said it was the darnest thing I've ever seen in my life. And where is he now? Danny is a major at Fort Bragg. He is the third in command of a 750-man airborne battalion. He's The last time I talked to him was a couple of months ago. He was getting ready to do his 40th jump. Oof, wow. And Carolyn and I went to down to Fort Benning when he and his wife Blair uh, got married, and we went down there for the wedding. I had a fantastic time. Danced with his mama, Valerie, and we're Valerie and I are close. And uh, and so um, there's Danny. He's an amazing guy. Still plays. It looks uh, good in that uniform too. Doesn't looks it? great in this uniform. And this year for the FCA camp, since Fort um, when I say Fort, Fort Bragg, Bragg is yeah. so close to Pinehurst. Danny, we've we've already committed that we're gonna. Danny's gonna come over and oh, nice. meet the kids, and we're gonna play the cradle together. Oh, nice! Have good you played the cradle yet? Hadn't played it. But it's that's, a good that's one. That's the plan. There's there's two places, and then you have a list of famous people you play golf with, which we do. Want I want to ask you about because sure. I don't even know that. But there's two places I think we have to talk to Bobby Foster about: Forest Lake and Edisto Beach. So where do you want to start? Well, Forest Lake. You know, I had uh, um, had great times out there. The uh, 
you know, the the thing that was so much fun about Forest Lake with Melvin was a lot of fun. Melvin was a lot of fun. Well, his first assistant that he ever hired was even more fun, and that was Norman Flynn. That's right. And so, <laughs> you know, I, you already mentioned I'm in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't bring it up. But when I when I was inducted in the Hall of Fame, I, I made – I made a point that, um, and I had some of my Fairway Outreach kids there and their parents, that Melvin taught me how to hit the ball. Norman taught me how to compete. And the black caddies taught me, taught me course management. And I ended up being a much better competitor and course manager than I ever was a ball striker. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it was so much fun out at Forest We Those were the days of the caddies. And I had as much fun with that as, as anything. But even I'm still thinking about the more recent days where you're in charge of all these projects. You're not in charge, but you're very instrumental in all these projects they've had going on, the redos and the the bunker project, the cart path, right? Yeah, we, we yeah, I somehow I got uh enticed into into taking over the uh, being chairman of the Greens Committee. I didn't I had no idea what I was getting into. We we ended up come to find out we had about five inches of thatch up under the greens and they were slowly dying. Yeah. And so and we had cart paths that would literally uh, knock the feelings out of your teeth <laughs> when you hit a bump. So I ended up having to uh, shepherd that project, so to speak. Had to go fight with that board all the time for more money. To, but uh, you put your due diligence in to get what needed to be done done. We did. We did. And and uh, and and one of the best things was uh, hired uh, Chris Bennett to be our superintendent. And Chris has done an amazing job, which I think I think is a unique situation there because John Gay was out there for so long uh, as a superintendent, and John John's still there, but he just he rides fairway unit and just enjoys his time without having all the pressure and everything else on top of. He him. does. John and I are real close friends, and we were close friends. He's one of the ones that taught me into and taking over being the uh, chairman of that committee, and uh, but he saw what was coming, I think, and John's done fairly well financially <laughs> he yeah. saved his nickels and dimes and hundreds of dollars or whatever and uh, you're right he's just good for him yeah, on behalf of guy. behalf of the SCGA y'all put on a heck of an event for the junior championship absolutely that they was did. incredible I, I've, I've told so many people about that we're talking about our junior championship we did last summer June of 2021 and um Forest Lake went out and the powers to be in memberships went and raised a lot of money and we spent a lot of money, but we raised a lot of money and had a great, great championship out there. I tell you, I've been to some—I mean, I've been to some pretty big tournaments playing in my life. I never seen anything like it. Yeah. And I told somebody, you know, I was runner-up in the South County Junior. I don't know how many years ago. I was 16, and whatever I had it calculated. And I told some of the members out there, I said, you know, and some of the kids, I said, you know, I was runner-up, and I remember when I turned my scorecard in to Mr. Bob Cosey. Yes, sir. Who was Hap's predecessor. Yes, sir. He told me that uh, lunch was on him today since I'd been running up the tournament. And, <laughs> and uh, I don't remember any tents and, <laughs> no. and buffets and all right. that. But uh, Well, you, know, one th you set the bar, so now we got to keep up. we got to keep it trying was, to keep up. It was a match play back then, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It, okay. was, it was metal play, and, of course, uh, I, I beat a fellow named Jim Gehring in a playoff for second, and Jack Lewis was about five shots ahead of both of us. And uh, – but it was a lot of fun. I mean, it meant just as much to me to win back then or finish second back then. That was probably the first really significant thing I'd done. And uh, 
as it did to those kids winning uh, with all that grandeur that yeah. y'all had out there. This it summer. was something. It was a special. It was a treat. It was a show. All right, what about Edisto? Pretty special place to you? Edisto is special. Uh, it is, um, you know, we, we, we bought a house on the second row. I think if we if we were to go to sell it today, the lot would be worth it'd be worth more as a, with the with the house gone. Somebody yeah. build something really nice on top <laughs> of it. But well, we were fortunate to 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 buy this place, and uh, Carolyn keeps doing little projects to make it make it look a little better. But it was two thousand, and um, we've averaged about sixty nights a year down there, and uh, rent it the rest of the time. You go Never had a break even year yet, <laughs> but. Uh, it's you spend time great. with the grandkids down there, don't you? Yeah, we did, one thing we did figure out were our two daughters and their families, uh, their husbands, whatever. We figured out that when they had children, well, number one, they would be more apt to come see us at Edisto Beach than Columbia, South Carolina. True. Yeah. And and then when we had grandkids, we knew that would be the case. <laughs> so, and we don't have a bigger place, but we find a way for everybody to. Get, Get in there, get a good night's sleep, get on the beach the next day, yeah. have a lot of fun. And uh, and now, um, you know, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, God, I can't think of his name, but he bought the golf course and spent a lot of money. And re, re, golf course had really gone downhill. But it's nice. I don't play much, but it's they, nice. They do good. You know, we do – We've last couple of times we've done the 100-hole hike, we've been out there. We go to Edisto because it's a little, little tiny little golf course. You can get around it pretty quick and – this past uh, September, I think we were out there, and I mean, we started to crack at dawn, and they're they're going, and all of a sudden, look behind me, here comes Bobby, Bobby coming around the oh, corner. Right. He came down to say hello, and, and with checking hand, with checking hand, with checking that, hand, that, <laughs> checking hand. So, uh, but yeah, that was much appreciated, and, and you're right, they've done a great job with that place. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a, a lot of fun. There is no way for anybody who hadn't been there. There is no easy way to get to Edisto, though. No, but it's a beautiful drive it's through one seventy four down through those uh, those canopy oaks. How you, you can't talk on your cell phone way no. because of canopies, <laughs> but it, it is it is really nice. We had our super senior four ball. I think the inaugural was out there at at Edisto, and I I thought one day I was going to ride by. I'm going to go over to Edisto and go see everybody at this inaugural super senior four ball. Then I got to be down in Bluffton for a, a USGA qualifying event later on that afternoon. <laughs> I never. I didn't realize how long a trip that was in and out on Edisto, so that was my first experience. But it was it's, it is a beautiful place. It is. It's 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 fun. I'd love to hear who you have on that list. Who have you played golf well, with? You know, I'll tell you, I play golf with uh, a lot of it had to do with with not just so much golf, but when I was in the athletic department and so forth and so on. But I tell you, one of the most unique experiences I've ever had in golf. I was 16 years old, and I was a men's city golf champion. And I get a call from Melvin one morning. And he said, you coming to the golf course today? I said, yes, sir, I'm coming. He said, well, I want you to help me give a golf lesson. He says, Shakespeare called, and they asked if both of us would would give this guy a golf lesson. This fellow is doing some uh, public relations work for Shakespeare. That's when Shakespeare made the rods and reels and actually made those golf shafts here at the plant here. So I go riding out there, and Melvin says, I know you're a baseball fan, and this guy's got a little something to do with baseball, too, in addition to fishing. And he said, so we're going to give him a golf lesson together, and I want you to take him out and give him a playing lesson, and you take him to lunch. I said, all right. And I was a baseball fan. 
So this guy comes walking up the hill, you know, Melvin and I out there, we got our balls all laid out, caddy's ready to go out and shag. Here's this guy comes walking up the hill with his big golf bag, his caddy. I said, Melvin, that's Ted Williams. <laughs> and he said, that's him. That's oh, the wow. splendid splendid. Really? Yeah. And now he had retired from playing baseball. <clears throat> and so Melvin and I work with him. Melvin does most of the teaching, and I'm, you know, watching him. And he said, now, Bobby's going to take you out there, and y'all going to play the back nine. Nobody's out there. He'll give you a playing lesson, and then he's going to take you to lunch. He said, I got, I got a meeting. I had to go somewhere. So off we go. The, cat, the two caddies and, Mel, and Ted Williams and myself. And we get over there on about number 12. In fact, it was number 12 in the middle of the fairway. There wasn't anybody around. And he said, now, Melvin tells me you're a baseball fan. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, you know who Ryan Duren is, right? I said, yeah, he's the closer for the Yankees. That's when the Yankees were on TV about every World Series. So I knew everybody on the Yankees. Ryan Duren was this guy. They had big old thick glasses, about six foot five, and could throw it 100 miles an hour. And every time he he would come in eighth, ninth, eighth, ninth inning to be the closer, he would throw a few balls over Yogi's head or off to the side just to kind of intimidate the the next batter up. So Ted Williams said, you know, I'm in we're in American League, so I faced Ryan Durham plenty of times. And Yogi's back there giving me all that jaw jawbone about this ball's coming at your head and all that. And he said, Ryan Durham be out there with those thick glasses throwing 100 miles an hour, knowing he's going to try to back me off the plate. <laughs> Didn't bother me at all. Never bothered me at all. But, and then he, looked, he pointed that golf ball in on that on 12th fairway. He said, but that little ball sitting there still like that <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Too much time to think. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. And he was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun. I've never heard that story. Yeah. That's why I do love hanging out with you and talking. I get to hear stuff. All the time that I've not heard before. Well, he, he was he, that was fun. I got to play golf with Gerald Ford right after he was uh, president of the United States. Really? Yeah, out at Wildwood. That was George well, Chapman arranged for that to happen, and he was in town to do a speaking engagement at the university. And George Chapman called me and he said, "You want to play golf, Sarah?" I said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "Well, we got to play in the morning." I said, "Well, my sister to cover me," and so. He called me the next day, by the way, I'm going to let you know who we're playing with. <laughs> we're playing with the President of the United States. Wow. Uh, former President of the United wow. States. And so that was a lot of fun. Did you ask him about Chevy Chase's renditions of him at all? No, uh, no. But we were playing number 12, which I guess out there is now number three, and a little downhill par three, and I hit it past the hole and it started spinning back, and it looked like it was going in, in the hole, and it, it spun out. And I said, wouldn't that have been something? Make a hole-in-one play with a former president You're not kidding. So, How many times have you played Augusta? Played once. Okay. Played once, and uh, when I was about 25, the wind blew so hard. I shot 81. The wind blew so hard. They had driving a three-wheeler on number 15. Two really good shots. I had a seven-iron left on the third <laughs> oh, shot. Oh, wow. And I hit it, and the wind puffed. And just stopped in midair and it dropped in the creek. Did it the really? driver, three wood, off and Sam Iron all flushed and couldn't get it. That's how hard the wind blew. Wow, wow. And I had an opportunity to play again. Hootie Johnson uh, called and said, I'd like for you to bring the golf team down when I was coaching. And I said, Great. And he said, We got nine spots. I said, I'm going to play. My brother's going to play. Another guy's going to play. So we got three, bring three threesomes. And I said, Okay. I got to thinking about it. I had nine guys on the team, and I'd already played it once. So I called Hootie back. I said, 
look, can I just let those nine guys play and, and I can walk around with them? He said, you can let those nine guys play, but you can't walk around. Nope. Wow. And uh, so, I, like I say, I, I had to play once, and but yeah. all nine of those guys got a That's thrill awesome. of a lifetime. David Tolley ended up – one of the guys ended up being run-up national amateur, and so he played in the Masters the next year and got to got to play. That's great. Well, I hate hate to cut this short because there's two people we want to talk talk about, and I think we'll have to just save it for his own episode, but the Bennett family, Grant and David. Uh, David's still with us. He'll get his own episode. Anything you want to say about Grant before we get out of here? Well, Grant was, uh, Grant was very unique. Uh, he was just unbelievable kind of guy and uh, hardest working guy I've ever met. What he did with the junior program is, is legendary. I was fortunate. I would spend half the summer over in Florence one year in particular. We had U.S. Junior over there. We had the Florence Junior Invitational, which I was fortunate to win. And, and we'd go over there and there. You always had somebody to play with that was good. So, and, uh, but I will have to say this. David Bennett is one of the most Christ-like people I've ever met in my life. He will do anything wow. for anybody at his own expense. One of the greatest men I've ever left met in my life. I'll leave it there. We had uh, our Palmetto uh, Cup team matches were just a couple weeks ago, and David Bennett served as the captain for the professionals. Okay. And we were over at Wood Creek, and we had a noon start the first day, and David was there at 11 o'clock ready to go. He stayed the entire day on Sunday for the matches and for the dinner. And was out there at 8.15 the next morning, ready to go for the 9 o'clock start the next morning. was out there the whole time. So he he loves golf. Yeah. He loves golf. And for whatever charity work I've been recognized for, and I've got more recognition from it than, than David, but he's he's been right, right with, with me. And, uh, and nothing he won't do if you ask him to do it. Ain't if no he doubt can about physically it. do it, he will do it. And he looks good riding around that little Mustang he's got now, too. He's yeah, tooling around a little I Mustang. Seen that. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a nice new one. So he's, he's had some him. physical ailments, but uh, yeah. great guy. Great yep. guy. Well, Bobby, I thank you for being here. Um, and while you're here, I want to thank you along the same lines as I do Clem King, Hat Lathrop, Charlie Roundtree. You've been somebody very instrumental in my life and, and a great influence. So thank you. Thank Bobby, you. Thank you for everything you do for golf, for the South Carolina Golf Association, our juniors, our foundation. You've just been. You've been an ultimate friend, and, and, and you've been great for golf in particular, and we, we thank you for all your efforts and time you put in there. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Alan. And I feel the same about both of you. God bless. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anything we left out for we, that you want to say before I hit the stop button? No, I guess the, the only story I wrote I, I did was uh, – uh, yeah, we're going. We're still recording. I hadn't stopped yet. We can edit and splice oh, and pull apart. I said, you know, when when uh, the one th one thing in addition to the uh, when Gene Bates came here with the necklaces uh, to sp spot out this uh, land with me and and uh, draw those preliminary plans, and that project looked like it was going to be a go. In 1984, I, my uh, assistant at the time, Rita Reichert, Rita was in the office next to me, outside my office. She said, hey, Bobby, Jack's on the phone. He wants to talk to you. I said, Jack who? She <laughs> said, Jack Nicholas. I said, yeah, sure. She said, no, he's on the phone. He's asking for you. 
Wow. Well, hello, Jack. (laughs) Hello, Jack. (laughs) And he said, you know, Bobby, um, Gene told me you got a beautiful piece of property. I want to come see it. And he said, you know, my other son, um, Steve, is a wide receiver for Florida State. And we're playing y'all Saturday. And uh, I'd like for Barbara to come with me and, and, and my youngest son, Michael, and uh, Steve's football coach from the Benjamin School, we'd like to fly in on Saturday morning, and uh, you and I could go look at that property, and they can go over to the hotel where Florida State's staying, and we'll meet back up at the ball game. Could we do that? I said, sure. And so we go pick them up out at uh, Eagle Aviation. This plane was too big to fly into Owens Field. So we go pick up the necklaces, and uh, I had a SUV or whatever you would call it back at that time and and so we all go and sure enough we take take them over to the hotel one of the hotels on Broad River Road that's where Florida State was staying and so I'm driving through Columbia driving through Columbia and down Percival Road with and all of a sudden I realized that uh, was Jack Nicholas riding shotgun <laughs> and I'm holding on to that steering wheel about as tight as a human being can hold on to <laughs> and uh, it was the nicest I mean, we had the best time, and we walked that property, and he started telling me about the different kind of pine trees. That's a loblolly. That's a white white leaf. That's this, that. And so we, we ride back through town, and we, we actually met up over at the Roost, and uh, that's where Barbara and them were and Michael, and we go walking up, and we get getting ready to go, the, making plans to get over to the stadium for the ball game. You know, that we were uh, – like eight and zero, that's the year that we we lost to Navy the next yep. game. But we we beat Florida State. We pummeled them, and we're sitting up and I'm sitting in a box with Jack and, and Evan Jackson. I should have let him go to Furman where he could play. But anyway, <laughs> but the uh, when when we met up with Barbara and them, she said, "Well, Bobby, <clears throat> how many different pine trees did Jack uh, identify there?" I said, "About six. And he just kind of looked at it, shook his head. He read a book about pine trees on the plane. On oh, the way over. that's great. He didn't know what. He was just naming names. <laughs> wow. That's funny. And, uh, and that's so, awesome. But that was a, a great time. We went to the ball game, had a great time. And, of course, they lost, and and uh, and we won. And uh, took them back to the airport. And uh, so I've been to I, – I guess when I was down there doing our workshop, I went to his house, went to his office, and uh, – Wow, he, he really is a a nice guy, and you know I, I like to tell people Jack Nicholas introduced me to my two heroes. I mean, I got introduced to my two heroes in golf by the same person. And my two heroes are Barbara Nicholas for all the money she's raised for junior golf, for FCA golf, and for the hospital down there. And the other is uh, Chichi Rodriguez because that's where I got the idea for Fairway Outreach. <laughs> <laughs>